I like the players that are technically good, tactically have an understanding of the game and physically can compete. I think every coach is going to tell you that, right? But we also look for a kid that loves to play the game, that has a bit of passion, that wants to play the game when we're not around. That was University of Hartford women's soccer coach John Natale. And he's the guest on today's episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome into another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined by University of Hartford women's soccer coach John Natale. John, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you in here. We got a lot to talk about. Exciting times for your program, some changing times for your program. We'll get into that. But this past season, the 2022 season, you guys were a Division One independent. Coming up this year in 2023, you'll officially be a member of the Division Three Commonwealth Coast Conference. So that's what we mean when we talk about changing times. But I think a really interesting thing about your program last fall is the success that you guys had with the backdrop of the changes going on athletically at the school and with the program. Just take us through how you guys were able to be so successful 10-3-1 final record last season. I think we had great leadership at the end of the day. We had a good core of players that bought into the staff wanted out of the year. And that was just to give them a competitive season where they can grow as players and have a healthy environment. Not only did we have great leadership, we had players that emerged at this certain time in their career, such as like Amani, who had an unbelievable year for us. Scored a lot of goals. It always helps. It's historic for a university or an athletic department to go from Division One to Division Three. So this is uncharted waters for everyone involved. But you mentioned that leadership. You mentioned the buy-in of the players and the coaching staff to seize those days and, and see the moment. Is that tough dealing with young athletes, college athletes, to try to get them to not look ahead and just see the day you're in and, and win that game and win that day that they're involved in? Absolutely. I think that was the biggest challenge for the staff and myself was to have them enjoy the moment, just enjoy the season that they're in, the players, their teammates, the environment that they're in, and just build off that. Like I said, we had great leadership. So the players that are here want to be here. They want to play for this program and they want the program to succeed. And we were fortunate that we had that core of players and they did a good job of guiding the younger players throughout the year. On your roster, you have a pretty significant New England influence. You have a lot of players from Connecticut and from the region. Amani Jenkins being one. You mentioned her a little earlier. She had a great season last fall for you guys. What did she add to her game last fall and what did she bring to the table for the team? She scored more goals. That's a simple answer to that question. But Amani, I think, grew as a player in terms of her leadership. Again, I keep saying that word. That's what it comes down to. She got better, obviously, being a year older, being more clinical around the box. So she was able to finish many more of the chances that she had this year compared to last year. And I think people forget that last year was really her first season playing college soccer because the year before, we were unable to participate in that year because of COVID. So we were one of the teams that didn't really have a season. I think it was the 2021 season was really her freshman year. So she started off strong in her non-conference play and then faded a bit as the conference play went on her freshman year. So the one thing that changed was, was that didn't happen. She was consistent all year. And I think the consistency came with her being older, more mature, and being a better leader. 
Now you're you've been at Hartford for a long time. Is it twenty years, nineteen years with the program? Yeah, we're heading to the the twentieth season. Right, nineteen years. So yeah, a long time. Winning it, winning his coach and program history. You've seen a lot. You've been through a lot. Do changes things that uh, out of your control, does that phase you anymore as a coach? And you've probably learned to roll with a lot of different things that happen along the way. So as you go, as you make sure that your program's ready to make the adjustment coming forth, how, how, how key is your experience as a coach in that, in that tenure that you've had at Hartford prepare you for what's to come? So I think that's huge, right? Me being at this point in my career, um, I just control the things I can control. I can't control that situation. What I can control is is the players we bring in, the team we put on the field, and how we carry ourselves and how we handle handle ourselves. So that that I can control. So what I hope, if I can control that, is that we put out a good team, we bring in good players, we get good results, uh, and if we keep doing the right things, the winning will take care of itself. And that's the way our staff has approached things with the team. Just just do the right things. If you do the right things and, and you trust the process, you win, you, hopefully the winning comes, right? You win games. So that's what we can control. If I was a younger coach, I, I'm sure I, I'd be affected by it a little bit more. Do you feel like the team, your team, took some other teams by surprise last fall with with how well you played and the and the results you got? Because on an outsider looking in might be like, oh, it's it's a transition they're going through. This game, it's it's probably tough. But you guys went past that and were able to get results on the field that a lot that a lot of programs would have been happy with. I'm not going to be naive and say that that didn't happen. I, I think that did happen. I think we we were that team that was. In a transition, we lost we lost a bunch of players, and I think teams may have underestimated us a bit, especially early in the season. And maybe we took advantage of that a little bit. Credit to us, credit to the the way the kids handled themselves, their ability to fight early in the season. And I think by doing that, we got a, a couple good results. Maybe we stole a couple games at that point, but it gave us confidence. And and once we had that confidence, we just carried it carried it through the rest of the year. Now, you've been a Mercury's Coach of the Year, I believe, five times. The program has had great success at the Division One level. When you took over at the program, did you were the resources and all the infrastructure already in place that you thought this was going to be a very successful program and you guys were going to have these kind of results? Or, or how did you guys progress over the last couple decades? I mean, listen, this is a program that, that, that has a lot of history. You're talking about a program... In its time that's been to the Final Four, Elite Eight. You had coaches here like Ted Stavopoulos to start at the program, Austin Daniels, that was a huge influence in this program. And then you had an, someone like Mark Kokorian that was here before he eventually ended up at Florida State and winning a bunch of national championships. So Eva as well, who's at Wesleyan. So all, all these coaches that were here had success. I think when I took over, it was in a little bit of a transition period because times were changing. So it was it was a little hard in the beginning, but I think once we found our, our our niche and decided what direction we wanted this program to go into, what we wanted out of it, I think we found we found some kind of success. How important has it been for you over over the last two decades or close to two decades to to recruit locally? We mentioned that New England flavor that's on the roster. There's a lot of players who who grew up playing soccer in New England. Has that always been a priority for you to take care of the the home state and the home region? So, yeah, listen, the one thing we did want is we wanted that core of New England players to be here. And we found the right kids for our program. I wouldn't say they were always the best kids, but they were the right 
an athlete for our program and to give us success. That's been the core of our program. But years past, we were also, we had a big influence with the international players as well. So we, we've had success with that. So we tied it both in. We, we did a lot of international recruiting and a lot of recruiting. And, and we were fortunate enough that we could, we could blend those players together and come up with a, a team that could compete and, and win some games. How do you see yourself as a recruiter? What, if you had to rank your priorities or what you're looking for in a player right off the bat, and has it changed over the years? Have you maybe what you were looking for as a player in 2008? Is, is that different than what it is right now? No, I think I keep it very simple. I recruit a kid that has talent and talent means a lot of different things and it's different for different coaches, but I like the players that are technically good, tactically have an understanding of the game and physically can compete. I think every coach is going to tell you that, right? It's like the standard, but we also look for a kid that loves to play the game, that has a bit of passion, that wants to play the game when we're not around. So, and what I mean by that is, listen, when we're on breaks, summer breaks, winter breaks, they're just looking to get get out, playing a pickup game, and that have some kind of passion and will to, to play when, when the coaches aren't around. So I, I think that's the type of kid we've always recruited. It's funny because to maybe people who don't pay as much attention to collegiate athletics, the difference often between a Division One player and a Division Three player isn't isn't necessarily that large. Some of these Division Three players are excellent, excellent players who could, probably could have played Division One, and maybe for an academic reason or a different reason, wanted to stay close at home, we'll, we'll choose a Division three program. So to that point, does your recruiting mentality have to change a lot? Or I'm sure it does have to change, but you're still going to be able to find talented, skilled players that you were looking for at the D1 level that you'll probably be able to find at the D3 level. So, I mean, that that's a great question. I, I will say this. There are exceptions to the rule, right? Yeah. There are players at the Division three level that can play Division three. Right. But those aren't the majority of the kids. There, there is a difference between a Division I athlete and a Division Three athlete. And then there are exceptions to rules, right? Yeah. So there are a bunch of players, a handful of players that, that have made that choice to, to play Division Three. But, but there is a difference in terms of athleticism, the player being able to compete day in and day out. And, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, you know, it, it's great that a player can step into a situation and compete for the 90 minutes, but but can you do that day in, day out and practice games throughout the season? So I think th there is some kind of difference. The Division One athlete, I think the competitive Division One athlete is built for that. Do you think the gap is as wide now between D1 and D3 as it was like 20 years ago or so? It, it's hard for me to answer that question because I've been a Division One coach for, for 20 years yeah. and now I'm heading down this path. So. I will say this, I, I think we, we, we were able to play, say, Wesleyan this year and, and in a game this season, this past season. And I, and I thought they had players that were definitely Division One athletes. Um, but so I, I just saw them play for the first time and compete against them. So I, I don't know what the overall standard is for Division Three. I'm heading down that path now. So it's not fair for me to answer that question sure. right now. Sure. I don't know how I look at it, but this is a new challenge for you, obviously, 20 years into your career. It's new. It's probably new homework you have to do. It's it's acclimating yourself to a new conference and getting to know the teams you're going to be playing. How much is that for you now, like something you're embracing? Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll accept this as just a challenge that I, that I, an unforeseen challenge that I can maybe thrive in. And I'm going to do, how much homework are you doing? How much 
tape are you watching? How much are you familiarizing yourself with the Commonwealth Coast Conference right now? Yeah, but right now I'm focusing on on my team, my yeah. program, trying to put together a schedule for the for the upcoming year, trying to put together a roster that's going to be able to compete for for the upcoming year. That, that's our focus right now, especially in the initial stage of everything. I'm not worried about everyone else. I'm right now. I'm worried about. <laughs> my team, my program, and what we can do going forward. New England's soccer journals, The Goal, will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising. Soccerhead's New England Comedy Fundraisers. This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer-themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Serious Radio Comedy, and Jim Roberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NESoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NESoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Has that kind of always been your mentality, even years in Division One? Is it kind? Is it always been just worry about us first, and then worry about the rest when we yes. need to? Yeah, I I do think I worry about what I can control, and what yeah. I can control is is my team. Yeah, but I I also do try to do my homework and who we're playing against, how to prepare for that game, just to give us well, just to prepare us for the game, right? I, I don't necessarily it, it may. Be an advantage it may not but I, I do prepare for the teams that we're playing against just so i feel that when that whistle blows that that team's ready to compete for 90 minutes are there any moments or or individual games that stick out to you more than others during the during we'll call this kind of the, the division one portion of your career the 20 years at, at the division one level any any particular games stick out more than others it's tough. That's a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot here. I, yeah, I, I think 
Jeez. Obviously, w- winning the championship in 2000, I think it was, what, 2006, that final yeah. game itself, for sure. I think every final I've I've played in and, and been a little unfortunate with, I think there's five of them. They'll stick out. But you know, the games that have a lot of value, I think, stick out the most. The, the 2008, the championship game was, was, I'm sorry, the 2006 championship game. That That's the one. Right, you you win a championship. That 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 means a lot. Oh, I think that's the one that that jumps out at me. Now, are you are you originally from Connecticut? Did you grow up there? Yeah, I'm yeah. from Weathersfield, Connecticut. So yeah. you're, and I know you played you played in Connecticut. You're college soccer yeah. in Connecticut. So obviously, you're you're a Connecticut guy through and through. Have have there ever been any uh, any grass is greener moments for you growing up? Did you ever think I or, or was Connecticut always the place you wanted to be long term? No. I have my niche here. I'm happy here. I have friends, family in the area right now. So for me, I'm pretty content. What was the life like growing up in, in your day as a soccer player in Connecticut? Did you play club soccer back then or what was your, your soccer upbringing? No, yeah, I was fortunate enough. Weather, Weathersfield was a soccer town, but I, I grew up most of my time playing at Oakwood. So yeah. I, I was an Oakwood kid back in the day. I have deep rooted ties to them, still involved with them a little bit. So on the, on the youth side, a lot of our players in New England, like you had mentioned before, come from that club and and, ha- and have had success. I think we have four or five of them now from that club. So I grew up playing at Weathersfield, Weathersfield High School. Most of my youth time, I was at Oakwood, Oakwood Soccer Club, and then went on to college, played a little bit after college, um, and, and then coached. So got, got into coaching and, and here I am right now. Have there been many, many kids over the years that didn't play club soccer that you recruited or has that become pretty much in your eyes, almost a, a must at this point? Or I know, I know different coaches view it differently. There's the whole argument of, of playing multi-sport, being a multi-sport athlete, but have you come across many recruits for yourself that didn't play clubs? No. Yeah. I think everyone plays right now. Yeah. It, it, um, it's funny how it's, it's that's I feel like yeah. that's been how it's evolved so much over the last yeah. couple decades. If you if you if your plan is to play in college, that most likely you're playing club soccer and and soccer year round. Yeah, it just makes sense. I think I think if you're not and you're able to play in college, I, I think you'd be more the exception to the rule, not not the rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any advice for parents or of players or if? If their kid, they, they think their kid's going down that serious soccer path. What, is there like an age where you think they should try to get into the club soccer game? Or is it different for, for different kids and depending on what their situation is? I think club soccer starts so early around here. I, I think if, if they're playing soccer or they're thinking about going down that road, they're already involved in club soccer. So it's not like the kid wakes up one morning and says, oh, I want to play soccer and 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 I'm going to be good at it. So <laughs> let me join this club. I, I think when a kid... Or, a young adult wants to say, I think I want to play college soccer. I'm pretty sure they've been playing in the, at the club level and in, in, in some kind of competitive league for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I agree. It's, it's, that's, I think then the, the hardest thing I think is, is, is with, it, it's all these sports now it's basketball. It's when you play AU basketball, it's baseball. When you start playing the travel baseball, I think that's the thing, the, the, the question mark that, uh, parents or athletes wrestle with these days how did you how did you see yourself as a player what kind of player were you back in back in your playing days <laughs> I, that was a long time listen i i was i was a kid that just loved to play i was always around the game uh 
like I said, I had a, a younger brother that played as well. So we grew up playing together. It, it was easy for me because all my friends played soccer, right? So it was, and there wasn't a day that went by that I, I couldn't jump into a game or into a practice. And I, I live pretty close to Oakwood. So I was constantly there <laughs> as, a, as a young kid. So I, I've been fortunate enough to surround my people with, with, and, and friends, I'm sorry, with friends that had the same passion as me and that, that wanted to play the same game. So but I was just someone that enjoyed being around the game, that liked the game. And I, I, I was fortunate enough to be good enough to play in college and play a little bit after. Did you always see yourself as, as being a coach? Was that always the vision for you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I knew when I went to college, I, I was a PE major, right? Yeah. So. I knew I would, I would be involved in sports somehow. That was my plan. I got into coaching at, at a young age, coaching some youth teams, again, at, at Oakwood. And from there, it just evolved and it took off. As When I was playing in college, I would do summer camps. So I was just constantly around it and it, it was almost like a natural progression. Now you have, it's where, as we're talking right now, we're still in the winter time, obviously gets, get some time before the the 2023 season gets here, but what do you envision like the next six months being about? It's going to be, you mentioned putting together your roster, getting prepared. How busy will this next five, six months be for you and in, in the program? I think extremely busy just because I, again, we're heading into like uncharted waters, right? right. We, we really, we, we have an idea where we want to be, but a, a little, a little unknowing from the, from the coaching staff's part, right? We just don't know where we fit into the conference. So we're always trying to figure things out in terms of what kind of player we have to recruit. Where where do we have to be to go find these players? What kind of schedule are we going to put together, right? To kind of, to help us be successful and get the most out of the season. I, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. So like I said, me, my staff, um, we're just, we're just putting in that time now. So when, when August rolls around, we're, we're just ready to go. Is there a lot of interaction or conversation amongst coaches at Hartford? Do you guys bounce ideas off each other or, or ask each other how they're, how they're approaching this transition? I mean, because you're all going through it. Is there, is there just a lot of top, topics of conversation about this with people? I think all the coaches here, they do. We, we get along, right? Yeah. So we, we share ideas. We, we talk about what was good, what we could have did better. But yeah, I, again, it's new for everyone. So there's, there's always questions being asked and, 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 and trying to come up with creative ways to have a season that gives the student athletes a good experience. So I go down the hallway and I talk to our, our baseball coach a lot, Steve Malinowski. We, we have some funny conversation. Gets us through the day. Oh, what did you do here? And and things like that. But yeah, I, I'm pretty fortunate that I've, that I've been here for 20 years and, and the people that have come in and out of this athletic department have, have been great human beings. So and they, they've made me evolve as a coach, whether they're administrators, whether they're fellow coaches. So that I, I, I'm grateful for. I started at a very young age <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough to be here, like I said, for 20 years. So my time here has made me evolve into a, a better person and a better coach. So my, my sister lives down in Connecticut and where she invited 
me and my two brothers down in March. She wants to do this pizza tour thing in Connecticut. Have you heard? Have you heard of a <laughs> Connecticut? I think it's a three pizza place. Are, are you? You're not near New Haven at all, then, right? You're probably close. I, I, I'm, I'm near New Haven. Yeah. I'm guessing Pepe's. Yeah, Frank there. Pepe's is one, and then there's, the, the Pepe's is one, which they've actually opened a couple. I'm up in the Boston area. They've opened a couple yeah, up yeah. here, but the, there's two more down there that she claims are are people say down there are better than Frank Pepe. So I'm supposed to uh, go down there and watch. Wait, do you have a favorite pizza place there in the Hartford or New Haven area? Is it really bad pizza? It may not. It's just not as good. Uh, I do have a couple. Yeah. Pepe think, Pepe's uh, pretty legit. I will say that. I do. Yeah, Pe- Pepe's is good. Yeah. I'm trying to, now you got me thinking, right? I'm like, where, 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 where was the last place I had pizza? I think I had pizza at this place called Carbone Prime, which is little unique but the pizza was very delicious good. yeah i'm yeah. with you it's got to be really bad for me to not for me to I call write. it a bad pizza it's got to be like really really bad or i'm pretty much going to devour it so even even pizza that the, you know leftover pizza is pretty good <laughs> that's right that's right i'll tell you what surprisingly who's got good i bertucci's has slipped over the over the past few years i feel but their pizza the next day cold is phenomenal i don't know what it is about bertucci's pizza I, but you don't even have to I heat it up had bertucci's in, in oh long. man they've lost a little zip on the fastball but they still next day it's pretty good hey john thanks thanks for joining us i know you guys got some exciting and busy times with the program coming up but we'll also we'll, we'll obviously be keeping tabs on it and seeing how everything goes awesome thank you so much absolutely Thanks again to John Natale for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media Production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.